welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Fickler, and with me today is Court. Hello! And Cameron Spann. Hello, hello. And we have a special guest, Miss Kimberly Hill. Hi, y'all. Or Kim, Kimba. I mean, many different names. <laughs> I answer to it all. So, Kimba is a photographer. She's awesome. I've done a lot of photo shoots helping her and had different contracts with people where I've brought her in because I consider her one of the best of the best. You know, we've talked about before, we are a financial podcast. I know sometimes our episodes make it seem like, are you a financial podcast? But the investment of things that are not necessarily dollars, but investment of time, investment of property, of items. And so, Photos are something that are a huge investment for people and it's memories. And, and I think a lot of times you don't appreciate it until someone's gone or that, mem- that moment's gone. And so we wanted to do an episode having a photographer on here talking about kind of the behind the scenes of photography business, why it's important and why it's an investment and kind of just shoot the bull with Kim. <laughs> uh, but first, as always, we got a list. Kind of a fun list. Very iconic photos. Iconic photos, yes. Yeah, throughout pop culture and history. And so we're going to kind of go through these. So the first one, I'll start and we'll do round robin. Albert Einstein's 72nd birthday. So in 1951, the photographer Arthur Sasse, do we know that's how it's said? No, there's not a chance that we're going to know that off the top of our head. Sasse. 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 I'm so sorry, Arthur, for mispronouncing your last name had a golden opportunity to portray the genius in the funniest way possible. It was Einstein's 72nd birthday, and he was trying to make him smile for a picture. Einstein tried to outwit the photographer. I'm sure Kimba's never had anybody try and outwit her. (laughs) He uh, stuck his tongue out and believing that the photographer wouldn't be able to get this shot, but he was quick, captured it perfectly. June 2009, the original image sold at auction. For $74,324, setting a record for a photo of Einstein. It's so, a great story behind that photo. It is. I mean, I now I'm going to know it because it's the Einstein tongue photo. That's what I had no know. idea about that little backstory. 72nd birthday photo. Cool. Next on the list is the iconic Marilyn Monroe flying skirt photo. We've all seen it. This famous image is part of a movie filmed by director Billy Wilder. In the script, the protagonists of the scene leave a cinema and when passing a subway vent in the sidewalk, Monroe's skirt blows upwards. Now, is this a, a still <laughs> shot from the actual film or is this uh, just a photo from the film set? Do we know? Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it wasn't supposed to happen and she didn't know that she was going to walk over, that she didn't mean to walk over the sidewalk vent. So I feel like it's a still image. This is a photo, but this is also a phrase because I think I've even said to you guys before when I've walked outside of the office and the oh, wind's yeah. been blowing, I'm like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. having a Marilyn Monroe moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of sometimes what makes a photo iconic. Kind of what we were talking about before you started recording is uh, what makes a good photo. And I think a lot of times like the story behind it is what, you know, a photo is worth a thousand words, but like the story in it mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. Next photo on the list is one everybody should be familiar with. I would think anyway, it's the Beatles uh, Abbey Road album cover, that, that iconic photo of the four of them walking in a line across the street in... Where is Abbey Road? London? London. 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 So, yeah, it is said that the session lasted about 10 minutes and the camera used was a Hasselblad with a 50 millimeter lens. Paul McCartney had made some sketches of how he wanted the image to look, but it was the trusted photographer Ian McMillan who took care of the magic. I am sure residents on Abbey Road hate that photo because (laughs) there are probably tourists for decades, I know there are, who are always on that crosswalk taking photos. Mm. And think about that photo has been recreated so many different times. I know just, in fact, our staff... uh, We recreated it on Bill Street. (laughs) Kimba was our photographer and we recreated that. Okay, you take the next one on the list. Oh, well, okay. American sailor kissing a woman in Times Square. A symbol of excitement and joy at the end of the World War II. That iconic kiss. It was real, right? It wasn't. That wasn't mm-hmm. like a stage photo. There's been like right. theories out there of like who the two people are. Yeah, I don't think they knew each other. Yeah, I, I don't think. I think the big story about that picture is that he didn't actually know her and she didn't know him. Um, but it was just this big kiss that was caught. Uh, heat of the moment. Yeah, yeah. Heat of the moment. Okay, U.S. troops raising a flag in Iwo Jima during World War II. 
earned a Pulitzer Prize. So, I mean, this is obviously another one that has been made into bronze. It's been made into so many different things. And it's, I think, a symbolism that is used a ton. No question. It's funny to me because every year I make a, a calendar with our Pickler Bull. And two of these so far I've <laughs> recreated <laughs> using <laughs> our bull. The Iwo Jima and the uh, Abbey Road. Oh, you did a fantastic job, by the way, Kim, on this year's calendar. Oh, Katie gave me a copy of it. And it's so good. Oh, thanks. Next on the list, Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Liston. One of the most anticipated sports matches of the decade, Neil Leifer, a sports illustrated photographer, was in the front row. In his ringside spot, he watched Muhammad Ali square off against his boxing heavyweight nemesis, Sonny Liston. It was only one minute and 44 seconds into the first round that Ali dealt a winning knockout blow to Liston's head. I've seen that photo. Is that familiar to y'all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not even sure you have to be a, a boxing fan to have at least seen that picture once in your life. I mean, that kind of goes to the whole like sports photos that that has got to be super hard and the number of photos you actually have to take in order to hopefully capture that one shot. Shout out to sports photographers. It is so hard. I photographed a high school basketball game not long ago just for some people that asked me to do it. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I had my equipment. I was ready to go, you know. It's so hard. It's dangerous. <laughs> You're right under that basketball goal. But to get that shot that you need like that, it's so hard. And I came out of that going, man, they don't get enough. I don't know if they get enough credit. You've got to be in the right spot mm -hmm. at the right time. And of course, granted, you can just push down the button and let the shutter go if you know you're seeing an iconic scene, but then you still have to hope that you catch it just mm -hmm. at that right moment. And I know we've got to move on, but speaking of sports photographers, <laughs> one of the most iconic sports photos, and also talking about being in the right place at the right time, is that dunk from Michael Jordan from the free throw line, mm -hmm. the profile shot. You have all the flashes of the cameras in mm -hmm. the crowd. It's a, an amazing photo. Yeah, all that matters. All that context around it matters, too. Yeah. I'm not real familiar with this picture. The John Lennon and Yoko Ono picture, perhaps one of the most famous portraits of musicians ever, was this shot of lovers John Lennon and Yoko Ono, which cemented Annie Leibovitz as one of the most influential portraitists of the late 20th century. A lot of the most iconic portraits of celebrities were probably done by her. That, that was the, the naked photo. They took shots of the naked. Anyway, yeah. Katie's back over there showing me all of these different images of John Lennon. <laughs> right. A lot of new John Lennon. I didn't know that Annie Leibovitz took that photo, and she is my, I mean, in my top all-time favorite okay. goal photographers. I had no phenomenal. idea that she took that photo. And I've seen, I'm not I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I, I just didn't know that she took that. That's great. Of well, course she did, because she's fantastic. One of the more interesting aspects of that photo is that apparently... It is a, an iconic photo, um, but it was also taken hours before Lennon mm -hmm. was, was assassinated. Uh, it was the last photograph of John Lennon taken before he died. Oh, and again, imagine part of what makes a photograph so cool <laughs> is this context behind uh -huh. it. And because yeah. he was assassinated, it made the, the image so much more Sometimes special. Sometimes you take a photograph of somebody and you don't know that that's, you know, take out the Beatles and the, and the celebrity of it all. But that's like the last photo. And you took that photo. It's so important. It's so, depend if it's yeah. your grandmother, if it's your dad, if it's your whoever, you, a lot of times you don't know. And, ugh, like the weight of that is like... You know, I sometimes wonder about the respect level of, you know, you kind of want that history making photograph, but also there's human beings behind it, mm -hmm. um, you know, like with Princess Diana and things like that. And sometimes there's a, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but there's just a line. Sometimes I feel like that people need to mm, respect the situation. Okay, the last one on the list, Kimba. Oh, the migrant mother. Um, the migrant mother has become the most iconic picture of the Great Depression of 160,000 images taken by Dorothea Lange for the U.S. Resettlement Administration. This photo of Frances Owens Thompson with her two children gave a face to a suffering nation. That really impactful black and white photo. It's just- Yeah, you know. I mean, I, when you show it to me, I recognize the picture for sure. I've definitely seen it before. There are so many other pictures mm -hmm. that people are like, oh my gosh, you didn't even mention that one. You didn't mention that one. I mean, just between the two magazines, Time Magazine and Life Magazine, which of course Life is no longer around. Uh, hell, magazines are almost no longer <laughs> around anymore these days. But when I was growing up, my parents had this big, giant coffee table book that was nothing but Life Magazine covers. Oh, yeah. And I used to just sit and flip through it. And we were talking about iconic images that, are, that, that grace the covers of of that magazine, of Time Magazine, um, 
Rolling Stone has had some some so so even just those cover just those cover images. This is this is posed stuff. But then you've got documentarian photographers, National um, Geographic, yeah, t- taking pictures of your beloved polar bears, yeah. Um, and then, like <laughs> we already said, there's sports photographers, journalistic photographers. You've got artistic photographers who are, are taking pictures of any number of things in any number of situations under any number of circumstances. So all sorts of different photography out there. That's everything that we've got in this list. I don't know if y'all had any you wanted to add. Oh, the one um, from National Geographic, the Syrian girl with the mm-hmm. green eyes. With the striking green eyes. eyes. Very, mm-hmm. very striking green yeah. eyes. Yeah. And I think what made that a great photograph, besides it's just being, it was a stunning photo, was you could just see the eyes are so important and you could just see her and almost maybe whatever she had seen or the trauma or whatever and just like the migrant mother photo i think that's a beautiful portrait in general the expression in the lines and the color and the shadow and the light and everything i think are really pretty but you can just tell what she's going through almost you know my last little comment and then we're going to throw it over to you kimba but throughout time the photos have meant something I will throw a random thing out. Uh, you know, David Pickler has was been involved with a lot of school board things over the years, and and I vividly remember it's actually there's a picture in my office of back when you had newspapers that would come in, and like the whole front mm-hmm. fold was this huge picture of my dad sitting there in a meeting, and it was right when this huge school merger was happening, and it was just you could see on his face, how he was sitting, all the emotions of that embodied what was happening with these mergers right now. And so that's where a job of photographer is, they don't know exactly what that picture is going to mean in that moment. And it's it may not be it at that time. And it may be years down the road where that was the time they came up with that idea. Or that was the time with that. But it's we've all kind of known it, but we haven't really thought about how a picture says a thousand words. And whether you're putting yourself back on People Magazine as a cover showing that you don't care that your husband cheated on you and now you're living your best life. Like it all says something and all it really is, is this beautiful picture. But I can promise you it was not somebody comes, walks in and they take a picture with their iPhone. And so that's why I wanted to bring Kimba in here to kind of talk about the reality of being a photographer and the thought process that goes behind it. Let's start simple. How did you get into this? I kind of got into it through a roundabout way. I didn't go to school for it. I always really liked telling stories and I loved art Um, and I loved painting and drawing specifically. I spent a lot of time like not alone as a kid. I had like a lot of friends and everything, but I spent a lot of time. I was very shy. And so I just spent time in my room like drawing and I loved like y'all were saying about magazines, we had mag, and we still have magazines, but they're not as prevalent now. I would just go over the images in these magazines. I would rip them out. I would paste them all over my wall, like wallpaper. When CDs and cassettes were out, I would just, anytime your favorite artist had like a cool photo, I loved the imagery and the colors and everything, but I never connected it in my head to maybe I want to do that. I thought that was like for cool people. <laughs> like that was some kind of lofty thing that I couldn't do. So I would draw, I would try to just recreate the photo or come with, up with ideas. I loved watching music videos as a kid. Anytime VH1 had their A to Z music video time once a year, I would hit record on my VCR player and I would record all of the music videos. I wanted to be a music video director. So I just liked storytelling. And I went to Memphis College of Art when I graduated high school. And I went there for graphic design and drawing and painting is what I wanted to do. I wanted to animate for Disney. And at the time Disney was going out, uh, it was kind of getting trendy for the Pixar to come in, that style of animation. And I was so offended for a while. I was like, oh, the hand-drawn animation is the best because that's what we grew up with. And so I wanted to make sure I kept that, you know, intact. And I remember I had a class where I had to draw a still life and I was working full time and um, going to school full time. And I didn't have time. It was an outdoor scene that I had to draw you weren't supposed to take pictures of it. You're supposed to draw it, obviously, from life. And I just didn't have time. And so I took a picture of the scene that I was supposed to draw. And I just drew it from the photo. And something clicked in my head at that time when I actually picked up a camera to do that. I was like, oh, this is there's a lot of the same elements in creating a photograph that go into like painting or drawing or things like that, you know, composition, lighting, et cetera. But I still never clicked into it um, as, as a job. And I just kind of did it. I was always the person that had the little point and shoot camera walking around. And then when MySpace became a thing. Oh, that's a throwback. This is a vintage <laughs> statement. 
Um, well, I worked at Blockbuster Video. That's a vintage statement too. <laughs> so and I have all the stories. Gather around, children. Let me tell you the tales. Um, when MySpace became a thing and everybody was, you know, that's when photography kind of really, um, I think in our recent memory became like an influx of it. And people were taking photos with their little point and shoot cameras. You know, we all probably had one taking mm-hmm. your selfies then that aren't the selfies now that we take. <laughs> nope. You would set up your little digital camera with your timer and you would take the cool, you know. And because I was a fan of all these magazines and these music videos, and I thought, what if, you know, what if, what if profile pictures, what if we could take profile pictures that like looked cool, that wasn't just you going, Hey, you know, it was maybe more of you looking like maybe you were in a magazine. And so at the time, that's when it started kind of rotating in my head. But again, I'm very shy, didn't really think that I was the one to do it. So I would just kind of, and you don't want anybody to critique you or criticize you or think that's stupid. Like that was a big fear of mine. And so I kind of started doing that and everything. And at the time, now looking back now, because I still have access to my MySpace profile, it's terrible, the stuff that I was doing. <laughs> but at the time, I thought it looked cool. And, at, you know, other people were like, oh, that's a cool photo, you know. And then just kind of over the next little bit of time, it just, it was people saying like, can you take a picture of me doing this? Can you do that? And it wasn't really until my dad had a stroke and he was in the nursing home a lot and he kind of lost his ability to speak I used photos a lot to communicate with him, whether it was, or videos or things like that and showing him what I did, you know what I mean? With my life, what was going on. And I was like, God, these is so important. This is so important. And I was going through that and then watching how, you know, I was thinking about my career, graduating from college and everything. And I was like, what am I going to do? I feel like photos are going to be a thing that's going to go somewhere, especially now. They're never going to go away. You're always going to need photographs. Um, And it seems like this digital platform that's happening with social media, MySpace, that we thought at the time was it, that might be, that looks like that might be a thing. And so when people said, can you photograph me doing this? Can you shoot that? I would always say yes. And I would figure it out later. You know, I would Google it. I would, you know, just kind of look at magazines. I did a lot of my education, my photo education through magazines, just looking at photos and going, okay, how can I maybe recreate that image? I'd started out just by practicing and recreating things and you learn as you go. And um, my first official photo job was um, for Wilson Air Center. It's down there by, I don't know where it is now, maybe by FedEx. It's like a private aircraft hangar. Yeah, it's on Winchester, basically right next to the the FedEx Center. Yeah, and they have like different private air hangars and privately owned planes and things. And my cousin knew the guy that owned it. And he said, well, can she take pictures of planes? And my cousin, (laughs) just she's always been like in my corner. She was like... I mean, I don't see why she can't, you know, <laughs> and so she referred, I had no business being down there. I've gotten more jobs early on that I had no probably business doing, but because somebody referred you and you're not going to turn it down. Now I probably would because I have a lot of respect for like <laughs> what actually needs to go into it. But I started photographing these planes. I would look at photos of planes and then I went into the shoot and I did it. Um, and then it just kind of slowly happened from there. And then I did what everybody did and I made a little MySpace page that said Kimba Wayne Photography with a really bad profile photo <laughs> that I thought was cool. And then, and also I'll say this, um, it was during a time it, that was about 13 years ago and photography was not as prevalent as it is now. So I feel like I was really lucky in when I started doing it because at that time, especially locally here in Memphis, you couldn't turn a corner and run into somebody else that did photography. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't as prevalent, wasn't as trendy you knew who the photographers were in town. Not that there wasn't a lot, but you really knew when you saw a photo like that's this person, that's this person. And so I didn't have the, I didn't have to wade through a whole bunch of a sea of photographers to kind of get started. And also I got started because I saw how expensive it was. And now I absolutely understand why it's so expensive. But at the time period, a lot of you know people that I knew were getting married or they wanted headshots or they wanted things like that. And again, I didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of learned as I kind of was self-taught, but I thought, man, I think everybody should have, I didn't understand. I was like, I, I feel like everybody should be able to get access to good photography or get their wedding photographed if they can't, maybe they don't have the budget for it or if they don't have the money for headshots. I remember being a kid and wanting headshots so bad because I wanted to be an actress and headshots then were to me expensive. Now that was a cheap price, but then it was so expensive. And so I just had that in the back of my head when I started, I just wanted to make it affordable for people. Had no idea about the business side of it. <laughs> so I think everybody, if you're thinking about getting into photography, you know, I still learn all the time, take a business class because that's not something that you think about when you 
go into a creative field. You kind of do it because you like taking pictures. We have frequently discussed different career paths that people take and the, the number of people that are in many, many different careers that have absolutely no interest in or really knack for the business side. And there is always a business side. Mm -hmm. If you're doing something to try and make it your source of living, your source of income, then there is a business side to it. And obviously there's artists out there. There's doctors uh, are well known for really having absolutely no patience mm -hmm. for the business <laughs> side thing. My son studied um, film theory or something like that. Uh, so he, he wanted to be a filmmaker, but he also minored in business because he knew that, first of all, would need to understand the business side of things if he is successful in the film industry. But also, you know, he wanted to have something that he could fall back on. It's something that Cam and I've talked about a bunch is that you're like us, Kim. And, and, and I know this because I know you very well. We've been, what well, we celebrated our We, we celebrated our friend 10 anniversary in Salem, Massachusetts. Yes. We got a custom song out of it <laughs> from our haunted tour guide and everything. But it's when you're passionate about something and you know you're you're helping somebody out and you're kind of paying it forward because you and I are kind of that way. Like you and I have partnered together of photographing and coordinating a wedding for somebody. And we know that we went way lower on our prices than we typically would, but because we felt like these people needed it. They, they deserve to have this opportunity. And so I think it's kind of one of those finding that balance where you're not completely taking away from your livelihood by doing those, but also if it's originally that was your thing is that you mm -hmm. wanted to make sure there was access to photography. So you wanted to make sure these people had it. And I have to go back. I've known you for 10 years and I've never heard that story about that's how you communicated with your dad. And I think that is beautiful that you would show the photos and video. Like I started getting curious <laughs> as you talking about it. Cause I think that's really cool of how important photos are. <laughs> We're no, fine. No, it just was touching. But yeah, but that's kind of how I got into it, you know, in a roundabout way. But that was even far before I turned it into like a business. That was like four years of just photographing everything and thinking that you know what you're doing and just learning as you go. And yeah, this is a fun episode for me. I've been looking forward to this because hearing you talk, good grief, we have so much in common. Just like growing <laughs> up and wanting to be in your room and draw and yeah. passion for the arts. And that's why I'm so glad you're here today. Because <laughs> figure out what course you want to take in life with the arts. Um, but you talked about when you were in school and drawing the still life and mm -hmm. you took the photo and then you, you realized it was kind of a similar thing. I know in photography, you've got uh, composition, you've got emotion, but when you boil it down, isn't it painting with light? Mm -hmm. So there is a big similarity, you know, between photography and drawing and painting. It really is. And the more I do it too, the more I see it. You know, you learn something. I learn something new every time I, even when I do y'all's headshots up here, I go and go, next time I'm going to do this. You know, you just learn and you watch light. And when I first started, people would, you know, what I would call it, woo-woo. Like, they would be like, oh, you have the eye or you see light. And I would be like, okay, it's just not that. Like, it's fine. But now I get what they were saying. I just don't, I don't typically use those terms to say it. I'm like, yeah, it's a, that light looks good there. Or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But it, it really is. It's about shadow and light. Anything that you do, you know, we talk about all the time about, um, why do I look like crap in this photo? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, why is this photo that Cam quickly snapshot? Do I look like? And it's not necessarily about the yeah. <laughs> person that took the photo. I think. I think it's just about like the lighting or the angle or the shadow across your face. You know. A lot of times, it's a combination of a lot of different factors. Is the background lit the way that it should be so that it shows up properly in the photo and it doesn't look like you're in a cave? And are you is wearing your face what's lit properly? Best for you. Your, your colors. Yeah. It, are the clothes right all, all of that can have an effect think back to that uh, video that was going for a while where it was like a photographer you know asked them to take headshots and they were there just and then she like gave them a compliment or told them they were beautiful oh yeah it makes and, all the difference and so that's where can you Kimma talk to me a little bit about your process let's just say I called you and said I, I want some some just couple photos and you know no specific reason we just want some updated photos of us when I call you we agree to do that go what is the process um I would ask you probably what you wanted them for because that will even if it was just just because that's a reason uh -huh. um so that would put in my mind you know like the style maybe that you're going for um usually if it's somebody that I've never met I'll thank God for social media sometimes I'll 
look them up because we sometimes I'll you know if it's a wedding I'll have a meeting with the clients but sometimes if it's just a booking for headshots or whatever you don't always get that before meeting so I'll look them up on social media not to be creepy but to see you know who they are what photos they've had you know where we could you know just to see kind of get a get an understanding of who they are Um, because that matters my favorite thing about doing this is making somebody feel like they matter and that they can take a photo that they feel good about because most of us hate having photos taken. I know the entire Pickler Wealth office hates headshot day. <laughs> like walking into, I don't. Well, Cam, you take a great, I mean, you, you could stick you in, you know, whatever. Cameron you is our Barney Stinson. Cameron yeah. is a, and you're an actor, but you know, you have a symmetrical face. It's so important. <laughs> you do. <laughs> There's some of us golden children like Cam that can always take a good photo. <laughs> But no, Cam, honestly, is my biggest advocate here because he, you are such a help to me when I show up for headshots because he helps me get my lighting right. He will be my test dummy. He'll sit in for me. The attitude helps so much. Your positivity. I mean, man, that helps so much. Um, Well, that's the show. (laughs) And there we go. It's really just to make Cam feel good day. That's my, that'd be a good day. You want to get but, to know these people. It's yeah, not I just get a to job. Know, right. So if you ask me to come and, and let's just say you and I have never met, I would probably show up and you say you just want a couple photos. Well, it, I'm glad that you said that because it never is just a couple photos. Like I'm not going to show up and snap, snap two photos. Okay, cool. We're done. Or like, you know, I have that emails all the time mm-hmm. about, I just need like one photo. Well, what's going to happen is if I take those two photos, you're going to say, oh, let me see. And they're like, you're like, oh, can I, can I do this? I don't like this. Can I, you know? So I like to show up on a set and give it a minute to sink in and get to know you a little bit. Have you do a couple different things, just a lot of test shots and figure out your best angles, figure out what you are insecure about. I Um, I was about to say, you are, I have heard you on shoots do that. And I love that about you because even if you think something's beautiful, mm -hmm. you want to find out what do they not like. Yeah, because if they don't like the photo, it doesn't matter how technically good that photo is. I see, I've seen some photographers, not all at all. We have a lot of great photographers in town. I've seen some and I don't think that they mean to do it. Um, I think it's just kind of about having an understanding of people because that's a big part of photography that has nothing to do with the camera, but just having empathy for people. Because if I'm on the side of the camera, it's a vulnerable space to be. I hate having my picture taken Um, because you want to know that somebody cares about you Mm -hmm. and what you feel like. And there's nothing that will help you more if you feel confident and if you feel like, oh, okay, I do look good and I can do this, you know, and you maybe you've had photos taken before where they've all come out and you just look like schlumpy and you don't that's why you're not excited about it but if you can walk away with feeling confident about it that's going to help you the next time and also looking at past pictures that you've taken you can go oh that's my angle it's not that i'm quote unquote fat or that i just cannot take a good picture it's just about the angle i mean if you look at any celebrity you know we see all these finished and social media these days my god it's so out there i think that i think that has affects our self-esteem with photos in so many ways because photos are just everywhere now you can't go into a room and be like are they gonna take my photo do i need to make sure that i got makeup on that I look good it's it's intimidating and so anyway my process would be to show up and just just get to know you maybe we're shooting while i'm talking to you maybe i'm getting to know you maybe i'm when i'm looking at you i will find little things that you probably won't see that i'm like oh you have such a i give weird compliments you have a good eyebrow lift you have a good collarbone. You have a good, your nose profile is fantastic that you might not think is. Um, I remember I was photographing court one day mm-hmm. and I was staring <laughs> at him and I was like, man, he looks like Ralph Macchio, <laughs> the karate kid. And I was like, I don't know. And, but you do in, in your, in your younger photos that I've seen on Facebook, you do. Everybody has something in them, especially when they feel confident, you know, um, when we were photographing the kids this past weekend for JDRF, we like to make them all feel just like they look fantastic. And a lot of the times they walk in and they feel so like nervous or insecure or like, okay, go. And so I like to spend time with them and like really let them know, like, no, you're looking good. Like you're killing that. So I guess my biggest process is to make you feel like I care about your image. Even if I come in here to take headshots, corporate headshots are just not fun for anybody. I've had them done before. And it, you know, it's you don't feel like yourself. Um, but I really try, even with everybody up here, I try to like, you know, just talk to them a little bit and really like, yeah. and I mean it too, when I give them compliments, I'm not just complimenting them because I want them to feel good. Like they really do look good to me, you know? I think my Instagram photo, profile photo you took, my personal Facebook 
profile picture you took. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of trend going here. But I mean, I know even, you know, being one of your best friends, it's, I hate getting my picture taken and you fuss at me about it, but it, it is something that. But I I understand it though. And I kind of want to shine a light on that, that first off, just as there's different attorneys, there's different people that fit. For some reason, I think a lot of people think you're a photographer, you can do everything. Right, yeah. And that's not the case. Right. You, you kind of pick a track of where you're going to be. And so if I, I asked you to go and photograph the Super Bowl, you would be completely out of your element. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you know, you may be able to go and take pictures in the locker room of them like, you know... Yeah, I could do the locker room. I would do that. Fiving each other. Yeah, you know. but like behind the scenes, of, I think those are always yeah. interesting. But I would be probably not the one that you would want to photograph the Super Bowl because I don't know anything about football. First of all, and you have, I think you need to know something about the game to photograph that. And I don't have the experience to do it. Now, old me might be like, okay, sure, I'll go do it. And new me would be like, absolutely yeah. not. Talk to me about editing because obviously we talked about on the front end, you're spending a lot of time trying to do your research. Then when you're in that moment, you're trying to get to know that person and bring out what it is because obviously we all carry with us the weight. So like if you're stressed out going into a photo shoot, mm-hmm. you're going to carry that into unless you get the Kimba treatment of your collarbone <laughs> is nice, you know, enjoy that. But <laughs> enjoy that moment. <laughs> enjoy that moment. But you know, when the dust is settled, like like this past weekend when you photographed um, the kids for a charity event, and we walked away, we cleaned up the backdrops, everything. The work is not done. Yeah, the editing process um, it's different for everybody. It's a lot different than when I first started. I'm a lot faster, but that's also because I have a lot more experience. And again, like I said, you learn every time. And lighting plays such a huge part in it. If you have good lighting, and I'll give makeup artists a shout too. Makeup artists are like, oh, they're invaluable. If you get married or have a headshot session or whatever, it's not a bad thing to invest in a makeup artist because they can really make that image pop where not a lot of editing needs to be done. Photographers will say, if you can get it right in camera as much as you can, it'll speed up the editing process in post. But sometimes like if you're in a situation where maybe maybe it's wedding day, and the bride is getting ready in, you know, a basement room with no light and whatever. And there's no room to set up lights and they want candid photos. So it's really not that kind of situation. Um, there's some posts that will go in there. But I think people, when they think of editing, I think it's kind of gotten a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Um, I never shot film, but I have read up on it. You know, they used to do editing, what we call editing in um, dark rooms, like as far as like dodging and burning and all kinds of, th- it's editing has been around for years. It's not a new thing, but I think it's gotten a little bit oversaturated because of, you know, iPhones and things like that. And they think it's just down to putting a filter on it and calling it a day. And most of the editing that I do, again, in my early years, I would use it as a crutch because I didn't know, I didn't have the skill sets. I didn't know what I was doing. I never panic on a photo shoot set, but sometimes I'll, in my head, something will happen. I'm like, oh God, okay, I'll just all right, I'll deal with it in post. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that was a lot of my early years, just not knowing what I was doing. And so I would overcompensate a lot then. But now a lot of it is basic. Like if you film a movie, you're going to have color correction or you're going to have noise reduction or you're going to have anything. Because if you're in a, again, like if you're in a basement room with fluorescent lighting, that's not pretty lighting. That's just not, you know, so yeah. in post, and that's going to make your image probably have like a mm-hmm. yellow hue to it and take away the color of your wedding dress like if you have a pink dress and it looks like kind of it's got some or if you're shooting outside in a in greenery it's going to reflect on that white and that's not anything down to anything other than just that's how lighting works right or blue you'll you never notice more colors how they hit until you start taking photographs all the time and now I'm like man there's there's some green on that face there's some yellow in that (laughs) and so that's what you do is you just you just kind of adjust those colors a little bit you don't editing is not sucking somebody's stomach in or giving them liposuction or giving them a skinny arm when their arm looks fat. Now I have done all of those things at the request of people if they have requested it. Nothing extreme, but like, you know, I get it. If you have like a turkey arm and you don't really want that, (laughs) I get it. I might just take that out just a teeny bit. Just it's not it's still gonna look like you, but I I get it. Lord, I've done it to myself. We all have done it. Um, but it's not Facetune apps. It's not plastic skin. You know, when you're when yeah. you edit a photo so much. In my early days, before I knew anything about anything, I did it because you think something looks good. Or like in the early days, I think like the high uh, contrasty color saturation uh-huh. was a thing. Or like the where you make the photo black and white, and then the one like the rose is red, and that's all fine. But that's not really when when photographers sit down to edit. That's not what we. That's not what we're doing. Those don't age well. I I know I've got some 
old, old photos on my phone that are kind of the where it was like all yeah, black but, and white and just my eyes are blue But that was fine. Then, you know, that was the trend then. Like and the there's nothing wrong thing, with it. Yeah. But you do see a trend in photography too and the editing styles. Now, again, with editing, there's a basic editing thing. What I was just talking about with color adjustments or, you know, if you're in a dark room and you got to bump up your ISO, which is you know, just how your camera is sensitive to light and you got to, the higher your ISO typically goes up, the more noise is going to be in the photo. Um, the photo will be lighter. Like if you're in a dark room, if we turned off the lights in here and I had this window open, I'd bump my ISO up, but, um, it's going to, it's going to be noisy. And so I might reduce that. But then after that basic stuff is done, then every photographer kind of has a style. Some are very basic and very straightforward and that's fine. I think it's what your client likes. Um, mine has fluctuated over the years. Mine is right now typically pretty like clean. There's just different editing styles. And usually you can go through Facebook or Instagram and see them all. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, um, and that's just the style of the photographer. And so you got to find one that fits you and what you like. Um, you hear the terms a lot like bright and airy or dark and moody or things like that. So sometimes you might do little tweaks to make it pop, but like, it's not, I think, you know, again, people talk about, oh, you can edit that in post or you can do that. That's not what we're doing. No, they have actual specialties of people that are photo editors. You know, I've talked about Annie Leibowitz. She has a whole team. My God, she is, she shows up on her shoots with her camera and that's her job is to be the photographer. She doesn't, and as far as I know, I haven't talked to her, but I went to a, a conference that she did in Nashville one time and heard her speak and she was fantastic. She's so down to earth. Um, she has a team of people. She has editors mm -hmm. that do that for her. Um, they know her style. They probably have like a preset or something done and they do that for her. And they, she has her lighting team and all these things. But yeah, we're not out there like making the sky pink and your hair green. Like it's, <laughs> it's basic stuff, but it takes a while. It takes time, especially if you shoot a wedding. It's not like I'm going to go home after your photo shoot and upload all your photos and then hit send. Yeah. Because, you know, that's just not how it works and you don't want them. <laughs> yeah. People need to be patient. And I think it's so the biggest looming thing is everybody thinks they're a photographer now. iPhone has come a long way. It does take great photos, but you're not getting your years of experience. You're not getting your eye. Yeah, I think, too, um, I had an attitude about iPhones when it when it first came out. Um, but I think really now what, I, what frustrated, I think, me and a lot of other photographers about that was people coming up to you and saying, well, my iPhone takes just as good photo, you know, at weddings or who Uncle Bob. But now I think it's because I, I have seen some iPhone photos that are fantastic. Um, and it's about the person that's got the tool that knows that the knows end. how to use it. Okay. Right. I so, am not a good iPhone yeah, photographer. I, well, I am not a good photographer. I cannot take a good picture to save my life, whether it's on my iPhone or with the greatest camera ever. I am terrible at it. Uh, you know, I look at something. I don't know if, if I lack the patience uh, to, to really find the right shot or if I lack the eye or it's probably both. I just can't. You know, I look at things and when I see them, out of my eyeballs, I'm like, wow, that's really beautiful. I should get a shot of that. And when I try and take a picture that sort of reflects what it is I'm seeing, it never does. Not everybody who has an iPhone is out there thinking that they're a photographer because they've got an iPhone. I'm, you know, load me down with all the equipment you want. I'm still not going to think I'm a, a photographer. Um, but there are some people out there that can with an iPhone. Cameron's actually really good at taking pictures not of me. He you can't did. take a good picture of me to save his <laughs> freaking life. But he is really good at taking pictures with his iPhone, especially of his family. Um, I see a lot of pictures of his family, and I'm like, wow, that is really just a great picture. And he's doing it all with his with his. Yeah, you took to some beautiful knowledge. travel photos that I saw one time from one of y'all's trips right. that y'all. You keep somewhere. hyping me up this episode. <laughs> <laughs> a few minutes ago, you were talking about fluorescent lights. And in college, I worked at a photo lab, and my job was to color correct before oh, okay. printing. And the most difficult part was uh, color correcting fluorescent lights yeah. on the hum okay. on human skin. The way skin reflects fluorescent lights, it makes you look like you have jaundice. It makes you look sick and mm. green. Mm -hmm. It's awful. How did you... So was it digital that you were you were doing all that? Or? Yep, it yeah, it was digital. Okay. And so uh, a lot of times you have to add magenta to it yeah. to kill the green. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to say, you know that I have a freelance logo design company. Mm -hmm. And I've given some presentations on the power of a logo. Mm -hmm. And um, how it's a big part of the first impression and how mm -hmm. it matters. And small business owners usually aren't uh, creative and so they don't see 
the reason for good yeah. logo design. Can you talk about photography and how that's a part of a first impression and kind of a, a part of the whole branding story? Yeah. You know, I get hired sometimes by real estate firms or by businesses or whatever to do, you know, photos of their staff or their place of business or just to, or even small businesses. Like a lot of, I'll work with some musicians a lot on promo photos for their upcoming CDs or their Maybe they haven't even recorded a song yet, and they but they want their image out there, or whoever it is. When people see you, first impressions, just like when we meet anybody, your first impressions matter. So I always equivalent it to, like, I'm terrified to go to the doctor. Hate it. Dentist, I don't care what you do. I, I don't want to go see you. <laughs> you know? And I get scared a lot. So if I go to your website, and I see your image, and you look scared, <laughs> you don't look friendly, it maybe the office looks dark or, you know, I'm probably going to go next and go somewhere else. And you know what? That might work for another person that's like got more, you know, kahunas than I do, but <laughs> not me. Um, so I really like people to know that like, yeah, that matters because we go through so many images again these days. We It's just inundated with everything. If we're scrolling on Instagram the image that's going to catch your eye is so important because mm-hmm. we see a hundred photos a day of different food or restaurants or law firms or whoever that we're going to go through. But if I, if that photo catches my eye, I'm going to stop and go, Oh, it's, you know, yeah. that's not, it's just how our brains are wired. You know, your eye will go to the thing that you find the most interesting. So it is worth, I think the investment to put into that. Now you might not have billions of dollars to do that. And that's fine. I will work within budgets. A lot of photographers in town will, cause we of all people get it. Um, but it is worth it to show up as the client, to invest in your business, to invest in your headshot to the best that it can. Because I mean, when I go to people, that's what, that's a lot of times your only impression that you're going to get before you go in for that meeting or that appointment, you know, and it matters how you, how you present yourself, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is about presenting yourself. And when you were talking about scrolling through Instagram, our majority of people's attention span has gotten so, so small that they don't read anymore. And so it's got to be Mm -hmm. a photo that captures them to then make them want to go read that article or dive deeper. And the thing is, is that while we have these iPhones, while we have Facebook, things like that, people are not printing photos anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I'll, I'll admit, I still haven't even printed all my wedding photos and it's been... (laughs) Three, four years. I still want to see all your wedding. I know. You, I know you've got some beautiful ones. Um, but uh, yes, Kimba didn't photograph I did not my wedding I'm not, because she yeah, was I'm not a, up talking me. She was she was a bridesmaid, so I wanted her to be by my side. Um, but it's my mom does works with Memphis Oral School for the Deaf, mm-hmm. and she will make scrapbooks for the kids when they graduate. And she always talks about how it's the first time a lot of kids have actually seen a printed photo of themselves. Oh wow. In one way, we're capturing so much more of kids growing up through Mm -hmm. phones. But in another way, we're not printing them. We're Mm -hmm. not putting them on the walls. We're not displaying them at work. And so it's kind of one of those of a mix of it that, yes, we're capturing the moments, but we also need to put them somewhere. It's interesting. Okay, let me just throw in here just one thing, side note. Um, my kids were growing up when we were, when as a society we were really going through the transition from mm-hmm. print photos from film cameras and print photos to digital my daughter who our audience has met frequently claims that we don't have any pictures of her well that's not true we've got hundreds of pictures of her but they're all printed, printed. Yep. and they're all in a in, in scrapbooks or in buckets somewhere um, the one who truly suffered from not having a lot of photos of him was my middle child my son um, because one he wouldn't let us take pictures of him ever and two he was really during that transition so we have some pictures of him that are print and some pictures of him that are digital so if you look at the digital side then you're like yeah we don't really have a lot of pictures of you on digital we don't really have a lot of pictures of you on print. We have some on print, some on digital, and you combine them, and okay, you've got a decent amount of pictures of those you would actually let us take. And then my youngest daughter, 99% of the pictures we have of her, if not 100% of the pictures we have of her, are digital pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was right there between 98 and 2002. That's how quick the transition happened in terms of... Okay, people are still mostly printing out their pictures to, okay, people now are just keeping everything digital. Okay, I got kind of a financial thing, and then I've got some uh, rapid-fire questions for you, Kimba. But 
the investment of photography. Yes, it's money, but you need to think about it. It's kind of one of those as so many things are out there right now of the mom taking all the pictures of the kids or taking pictures of the kids with the dad, Mm -hmm. but there's very rarely any pictures Mm -hmm. of the mom with the kids. Book a photographer, just come and sit in your living room and Mm -hmm. capture those moments. Like I'm getting chill bumps thinking of that, but you never know how much you wish you had those photos until it's too late, yeah. until they're gone. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of morbid to throw it out there. No, but it's like dead on. It's Y'all know about my cat, Tater, that was like the best cat in the world for everybody listening, just so you don't know. Um, and before he died, maybe a few years before he died, two or three years before he died, I realized like I have a lot of photos of him because um, obviously I do, but I didn't have any photos really like with him. And so I got my sister to come over. I gave her my camera and she's not a photographer, but I just said, I don't care if they, I don't care if they look good. I just want photos with him. And mm-hmm. to this day, like, I'm so happy I did it because you know, that those are very special to me. I think, you know, you get so busy with your families from what I hear from my clients, you know, and it's absolutely understandable. You have kids, you have jobs, you have, you know, things to, you have to run to and from, and you just don't have time to, you just forget. It's not like that you don't want to, you just forget. And I get that. Um, and there's a lot of pressure, I think, on moms specifically and families and dads too. I mean, everybody, they show up, it takes a lot to get your kids ready to go. Um, and by the time you get everybody dressed and ready, it's exhausting. So you just don't even want to do it. But I think it is worth investing in it, even if it's once a year, even if it's once every couple years. And in the between, take photos of yourself. But don't worry if you show up to that photo shoot and your kids are acting nuts, because they probably will. And You'll if cherish that. <laughs> yeah, that's who they are at the time. Like, and give yourself a break, too, because we see all these perfect-looking photos on Pinterest or other people's, or you compare. You just can't help it. That's just what the brain does. But you're no, it's never by yourself. Like, you're it's the same experience for most people across the board. And so you take, again, going back to the, you never take just one photo. Mm-hmm. You're going to take about a hundred photos to get that few cute little photos, whether they're candid or not. A lot of people want candid, but they really want like controlled candid is what I called it. You know what I mean? Well, Cause you don't want candid and you're sitting there like, Hur. and the <laughs> other thing I'll throw, cause I know um, court and I are guilty of this is don't just put off photos because you don't feel good about yourself. Oh, God, yeah, that's that's important. It's because mm-hmm. before the Salem trip, um, I mean, I've really had watched myself. I, I would take pictures of other people. Mm-hmm. I would, and especially when I'm around Kimba, I try and take photos of her because she's always one behind the camera. Oh, and that's camera. so nice. I think that Salem trip was the most photos I've had on of me on a trip because I've been on a lot of trips uh, that I've had in forever. And it's so nice. Like yeah. I don't sit at home, like looking at, you don't sit at home looking at photos of yourself, but one day when you're looking back at your life and the things that you do, it's so nice. So yeah, thank you, Katie. I yeah. really appreciate that. But it's, I think you, you don't want to sit there and regret that you didn't capture you in that moment just because you felt like your hair looked bad or you were a little uh, heavier than you wanted to be because you will regret that. And when you look back at those photos, you're not going to think about, oh, I was so much heavier than you're going to think like, man, I'm glad I took pictures with Kimba because if I had known that was my last time to take pictures with her or something like that. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think there's a balance to it too. Like you don't want to go on a trip and just, you know, cause I get stuck in this too. If I take my camera with me on a trip or to a wherever your brain, my brain is just wired to, I've got to catch that moment. I got to take that picture of somebody and then you forget to enjoy where you are. So I think there's a big balance of like, if you go on a trip, enjoy where you are. Like don't have that camera. You don't have to take photos of every tiny single thing. Um, Concerts and stuff. (laughs) You know, we all do it. You know, it's fine. But like, but enjoy, yeah, enjoy the concert. Enjoy the you know, the experience. Oh gosh, anytime I've shot a concert, I am so, you know, and I'm supposed to be taking pictures of this concert, but if I'm in that pit and then like the front row is like right behind me, like it, maybe it's like a standing, you know, pit thing. I'm so self-conscious of like ruining somebody's experience. I don't want to get in their way. I'm always like, Ooh, cause they're here to see the show. Yeah. Right. You know, but yeah, you know, have your picture taken mom. If it's not like, if you don't feel good, Sometimes I'll say like the photos aren't for you necessarily. They're for your kids or your family or your friends down the road. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like court was saying about digital photos that his kids, you know, have or don't have in the photo albums that we all used to grow up with. And I'm sure you did. And y'all probably did looking back through your parents' photo albums mm-hmm. or just, that's something that I did all the time. And I don't think kids do that these days are so focused on the current image. But when I look back at photos of my mom and dad, when, you know, I'm sure they didn't always feel amazing in those photos, but what I see is like, y'all look, I don't, I'm not looking at them like, man, y'all look rough. I'm looking like, that's my mom and dad. And that's, that's cool. And that's where we went when we were kids. And 
you know, and if it's like a professional portrait photo shoot, then sure, that's a whole other ball game. Like, yeah, but if it's for your kids, just know that I, and I know a lot of other photographers, we care about how you look. We really genuinely do. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I have worked with enough of them to know that they really do. But I go into photo shoots and I'm very aware that you don't feel good as a mom. You know, it's not that hard to figure out I'm a woman. So maybe that's why, because we just don't ever feel perfect. I'm going to take care of you. Like, I'm going to make sure that you get at least a shot of mm-hmm. you where you feel like a million bucks. And really nine out of 10 yeah. times you do, um, or you look good. You look better than you think you do. But I know what you see is not what I'm going to see. And yeah. when you look at that photo, you know, but like, we, I'll even throw to you what your sis, what you did with your sister. Like she wasn't crazy about wanting typical maternity photos and you were creative <laughs> and photographed a great like sex in the city nod that. Oh, I only did that uh, for her announcement photo. I, she never let me take maternity photos of her. She didn't feel good. Um, I, the only, I don't think I have any maternity photos of her. I even told her like, we don't have to do a whole shoot. We don't have to do it at all. Just get some pictures of you pregnant Mm because at some point you're going to feel gross now in like 10 years you're going to want to see yourself pregnant because you know I love looking back at pictures of my mom pregnant and I don't think she ever really got any I think there's a couple like she helped me on behind the scenes on a photo shoot she took some some photos of me working and I had a photo of her when I I would try to sneak it and now she (laughs) tries to find them you know but we never did it didn't always have to be professional you know but photography and photos just in general even outside the profession are important. They are going to be what you remember. And they're not necessarily for right now. Like when we grew up with the little instant digital cameras, we had to take our film to get developed Mm -hmm. and we had to wait to see what those photos. People aren't patient anymore. You want to reminisce instantly now. (laughs) I saw a line in an article like yesterday. It said, you know, back when you had to wait to wait a week to realize that you had (laughs) 15 pictures of your thumb. (laughs) We're just so used to the instant gratification these days. And it's nice to like reminisce on your photos, but like, that's the point of reminiscing is you look back later, (laughs) you know, knowing that when you say, Oh yeah, we took photos this weekend. It's going to be a little before I get it back to you. It's because you want to spend the time. You want to make sure that they get the product they deserve and that they want and not that you just rushed it to get it to them. Well, yeah. And also, I mean, just from a, from the business part of it, like that's not the only photo shoot that we're going to be doing. So like a photo shoot, doesn't, like you said earlier, doesn't just consist of showing up the day of, of the photo shoot. It's about the prep work, the preparing the lights, the getting mentally ready for it, because it's a mental exercise. If I have a wedding or a big photo shoot on like a Saturday or whatever day that it's on the night before, I typically won't do anything. And that's just me. A lot of people can do things and go about their life. I like to be quiet. I like to prep on my equipment, make sure that, you know, I go through my list. I go through, I mentally gear up for what the shots that I think that I might take are. And sometimes that doesn't go as planned, but I just mentally prep and just chill and try not to pack a lot in um, because you got to show up mentally ready because on wedding days specifically, or just in general, I mean, any photo shoot, you're dealing with all kinds of different personalities. And you know, when I say the people matter, they do. Maybe their dog just died. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they just, you know, like you don't know what you're walking into. So you got to be ready. It's not just about photographing them. You got to make them feel good. You want to make them feel good. Annie Leibowitz, I think, actually says um, you have to kind of fall in love with your subjects because when you fall in love with somebody, you see the best in them and you want the best for them and you really want to bring out the best in them. I find something that I love about every single person that I photograph. And it's so important to really do that, though, because there's a person on the other side of that camera. What's your favorite kind of photo shoots? I love headshots. Uh, because when I was in art college and I was drawing a lot, I love to draw faces. Anytime I say that, I think of like Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire that says, or like you do voices. I do voices. <laughs> I love faces. And, um, I would draw a lot of faces. And so I think headshots kind of, kind of scratch that itch for me, but also, um, I love theater. I love acting. I love film. I love all that stuff. And so to get to create those people's business cards for them and to, and to watch an actor work, like, if you ever do a headshot of somebody and they're an actor and they go through different little character nuances in their faces, it's so fun to see. I love working with seniors um, as far as like, not like seniors in a nursing home, but <laughs> I love working with them too though. Um, but senior, um, you know, kids that are graduating and they're doing their senior photo shoots. It's such a fun age. I love working with kids, um, whether it's for the JDRF photo shoot or just in general, because I, I like making kids feel like they matter. Anytime I have a kid on a photo shoot, typically I'll let them like, 
come see the camera or try to hold it and take a picture. And usually that freaks parents out because they're scared they're going to break it. But look, I have broken more. I'm clumsy. Everybody that knows me, y'all know I'm so clumsy. Um, your kid probably can't break that camera. If I haven't done it, they, they're fine. <laughs> um, but I love doing that. I love shooting concerts because I love music. I love how music and imagery play together. When I first started photography, I would go around a lot. I had a lot of friends in the local music scene and everybody in the local music scene needs photos, you mm -hmm. know, in general. So it was a great way for me to learn. I would go take practice taking photos. They would get free photos out of it. They weren't always amazing. Again, if you're trying to figure out how to get into photography, that's a great way is just go out to your local, I don't know, bars or venues or whatever and see if the band wants some free photos. And because the lights change all the time, they're jumping around, they're singing. It's about catching the singer at the height of their emotion. And because again, if they don't like that photo, they're not going to use it and you're not mm -hmm. going to get the recognition for it, you know. Um, but I love the energy of it. I've done some behind the scenes like steel photos for different commercials or film shoots or music videos and things like that. And I just like watching how things are made and the teamwork. I love working with a team. <laughs> okay. Favorite photographer. I think you already kind of addressed um, this one. Yeah. Uh, Annie Leibovitz. I mean, just love her. Um, Herb Ritz, who was a, um, he was kind of more prevalent in the, he's passed away now, but he was prevalent in like the eighties and nineties, a lot of black and white photos that you've seen. He shot a few music videos. He did Chris Isaac's Wicked Games. He did Janet Jackson's Love Will Never Do. He did Britney Spears' Don't Let Me Be the Last to Know. And what was funny is when I was, again, I was saying that I liked music videos. I remember watching his music videos before I knew that he was a photographer when I was a kid and going, oh, if I ever shot a music video, I'd want it to look like that. Well, then cut to when I'm actually doing photography and then I'm studying his work and everything. And I was like, Oh, how interesting. Like that that's a photographer, because he was mainly a photographer that did that. That's so interesting. Um, David LaChapelle is another one. He's a really bright, vibrant pop culture photographer. Um, there's a photographer named Jeremy Cowart that is current, and he is what I consider local. He's in Franklin, Tennessee. He sh he's photographed everybody. He's photographed the Pope. He's photographed, I mean, just countless people. Um, but he is just a good, I've never met him, but he seems like he is a good human being. He's an artist in his soul. Like he's a painter. He's a photographer. He he's, he just likes that kind of stuff. So what's your favorite camera right now? Canon is what I shoot with. It's what I started with. I'm not one of those like, oh, you shoot Nikon or I shoot Canon. I don't care. I, it's just what I started with. Now I've got the equipment. It gets expensive. <laughs> so sometimes when you when you start with something and you start building up your equipment to it, um, you want to stick with it. There's a couple different cameras that I would like to get just to, you know, just to see, but they're so expensive. We have a great company here in Memphis called Lens Rental, um, and they're a national company, but they are headquarters are here in Memphis. And so, you know, again, if you're ever looking to get into photography or try out different pieces of equipment, I, I rent from them all the time. You can rent lenses, you can rent lighting, you can rent microphones, you can rent camera bodies and, you know, do all that. But Canon is what I shoot with right now. How do we find out about you and your business? And uh, so give us all the, all the details. My website is kimbawainphotography.com. It's kind of a mouthful. My Instagram is at kimbawain and my Facebook is under kimbawainphotography. Okay. Well, I feel like we could do like multiple, multiple more episodes, but I know we're kind of running long and our listeners are used to a shorter, sweet thing. Thanks for having me. No, they do a good job, y'all. If y'all are <laughs> looking for wealth advisors or just good people, these are your people. I was going to say, we're not going to really bullseye. I would just say, look, photography is a big investment. Really just now think differently when you're taking those photos. Think about you're paying for so much more. Obviously, Kimba would love to work with you, so reach out to her. She's got some great photos out there, um, and it, it's one of those you never know what a photographer is going to capture that you're going to treasure. She did photograph my engagement, and I think the <laughs> most treasured photo is where I'm bending over talking to my niece and my uh, boyfriend at the time. Those photos speak for themselves. <laughs> was, was bending on his knee right behind me, but it looks like he's proposing to, to my her butt. butt. And that's, most people who know me will know it's, I was avoiding turning around. She was around. avoiding, she knew what was happening. She was avoiding it. I keep thinking about the movie, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Oh yeah. Uh, the, the, the guy that walks around with his own theme music. And I've always said, like, I've spent my life since I saw that movie going, man, I'd love to have my own theme music walking around with me everywhere I go. <laughs> but I think it would also work with having my own documentary photographer. photographer. <laughs> 
Like I everywhere I go, somebody that just goes with sure. me everywhere and takes pictures of all the stuff so that, A, I don't like have Hugh to, Hefner. because I'm, <laughs> as, I've, as I've said previously, I'm terrible at taking pictures, but also that way, B, B I could be in the moment and mm -hmm. let them worry about getting the shot. Mm -hmm. You know, every single president of the United States, there's always, oh, yeah. there, uh -huh. there, there's a photographer that's there to basically document Pete every moment. is a moment. great White House photographer. Yeah, and, and I just think that, that would be so cool for the, for the rest of us to have. <laughs> Well, like I said, we could keep talking for forever. There's so much that goes into photography. But Kimba, thank you so much for being here. Again, that's uh, KimbaWaynePhotography.com. Yeah. Um, all the all the things: Instagram, Facebook. Probably the only Kimba Wayne out there. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of <laughs> oh yet another episode of the Bullcast podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beamed directly to one of your devices every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Katie, Cameron, or Court, please go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can also... While you're there, drop a comment or suggest a topic you'd like to hear us talk more about. Or if you have a guest you'd like us to have on, then please feel free to drop that name to us and we'll see if we can get it lined up as well. We also have pictures. Boy, do we have pictures. They're on Instagram. Our handle is at Bullcast Podcast and we tweet a lot. Uh, we tweet on Twit. Twitter on Tweetier. <laughs> Uh, that tw Twitter handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. We also have a Facebook page, the Bullcast Podcast. And finally, if you'd like to find out more about what we actually do for a living, we may have mentioned to you once or twice that we work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out even more about us or more about, more importantly, our amazing team and our boss, David Pickler, and what exactly it is we do and what we can do for you, please feel free to go to that website. That is PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have your marching orders. I have given you all of the instruction you need to go forth and be merry. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. Thank you, Kimba. And we're out. <laughs>